This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode from the midweek edition of the Coin Bureau podcast. Every week, I pick out two of my favorite videos from Coin Bureau's YouTube channel to present to you in podcast form. The audio you're about to hear is from those videos I've chosen this week. Many of you have been in touch to ask whether it's possible to listen to our videos in podcast format, and so your wish is my command. This week, I've selected our videos looking at the tensions between China and Taiwan and the oil price crisis that likewise threatens global security. When Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine back in February, many feared that China could follow suit and use the situation as an opportunity to make a similar move against its neighbour Taiwan. China has long coveted the island, which it regards as sovereign territory, and has ratcheted up its belligerent rhetoric in recent months. Meanwhile, the US has pledged to defend Taiwan if it is attacked, leading to fears that Chinese aggression could precipitate a wider conflict between the world's two superpowers. The matter is further complicated by the fact that Taiwan manufactures the vast majority of the world's semiconductors, meaning an attack on the island would paralyse global trade. If the China-Taiwan issue isn't on your radar yet, well, it should be. In the first part of today's episode, we look at the likelihood of China making a move against its neighbour and what such an action could mean for the world. 
There are a number of reasons why China could be seriously weighing up such a step, and even though it would likely cause global chaos, or worse, it unfortunately cannot be discounted. Taiwan troubles aside, the global macroeconomic picture continues to get more and more worrying. In the second part of this episode, we'll also look at the issues surrounding oil prices, which have a huge effect on all economies. The Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, or OPEC, recently announced a 2 million barrels per day cut in oil production, a move calculated to keep prices high. This at a time when rising inflation and continued supply chain issues, to name but two, are already dragging on the global economy. It's a worrying development, but made more so by the fact that the United States has been draining its Strategic Petroleum Reserve, or SPR, in order to try and tame inflation and keep pump prices low, all with an eye on the midterm elections in just a few weeks' time. Meanwhile, guess which country has been adding to its strategic reserves of oil? Have a listen, and all will be revealed. I hope you enjoyed listening to these two pieces, and I'll be back talking crypto with Mike very soon, so be sure to stay tuned. And if you want even more content from Coin Bureau, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and visit us on social media too. In less than 24 hours, the 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party will begin. This one-week event only happens every five years, and the 20th edition is set to be extra special. That's because Chinese President Xi Jinping is expected to be re-elected and designated as the People's Leader. Now, this title was originally given to Mao Zedong, who founded the People's Republic of China. This has led to speculation that China could finally do the unthinkable and invade Taiwan. So, in today's video, I'll tell you why this seems more likely than ever and the domino effect it could have around the world. Now, I want to start by saying that most of what's in this video is based on circumstantial evidence. Even though this evidence is compelling when it's put together, it doesn't mean necessarily that China will invade Taiwan anytime soon. That's simply because the CCP has proven over time that it plays the long game. If the CCP knows that it can take Taiwan without starting a kinetic war, then that's the route the CCP will take, regardless of how much time it takes. Note that I'm also not an expert in geopolitics. I just listen to lots of podcasts and read lots of news from a whole slew of sources. Now, funnily enough, the first bit of circumstantial evidence that China could soon invade Taiwan actually relates to the CCP's strategy of playing the long game. You see, the CCP can play the long game because it's the only political party in China. That means it can implement policies that take decades to complete without having to worry about interference. There's no other political party that can be elected which will pause the policy or remove its funding or whatever else. This is in stark contrast to basically every democracy in existence. What the CCP and political parties in Western countries have in common, however, is that their highest-ranking officials are generally getting on a bit, including their leaders. In the CCP's case, Xi is 69 years old. That means 
that he doesn't have the luxury of playing the long game on a personal level. As much as Xi is committed to the future of the CCP, his actions have arguably proven that he's more concerned with cementing himself as the most powerful leader that China has ever seen. To my mind, taking back Taiwan would be the best way to do that, and I reckon Xi is hyper-aware of this as well. That's because being elevated to the same level as Chairman Mao within the CCP is almost certainly not enough. After all, it's a title that was also given to Mao's successor, Hua Guofeng. It doesn't really make the title that special then, because it's far from being one of a kind, and therefore could make Xi forgettable. Being labelled as the man who reunified China, however, now that's a title that would make Xi immortal within the CCP. More importantly, it's a title that nobody else would ever be able to hold, at least not unless China and Taiwan are split up and then reunited again sometime far in the future. Now this ties in to the second bit of circumstantial evidence, and that's the fact that over the last year or so, almost every single major Western economy has announced that it will begin creating its own microchip manufacturing facilities. For context, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, TSMC, manufactures most of the world's microchips and manufactures almost all the specialized chips that are used in, say, military equipment. This is basically why Taiwan is so important to the United States and its allies. It's the reason why the sudden moves by these countries to establish their own microchip manufacturing facilities are so significant. For starters, creating domestic microchip facilities means that Western countries will be less reliant on Taiwanese chips. This, in turn, will increase the likelihood that Western countries will intervene if China invades Taiwan. If Western countries don't need Taiwan's chips, then they won't have a reason to intervene militarily. This fact would increase the likelihood that China will invade Taiwan, since there's no fear of a kinetic war. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean China will invade Taiwan anytime soon. That's because it's still going to be years before all these new microchip facilities are built. Even so, it looks like they will all be complete within the decade, and at that point, China will have a clearer path to take Taiwan. Now, I talked about the Taiwanese semiconductor industry in much more detail in a previous video, which will be in the description for you. And pro tip, if TSMC stock starts to completely collapse, then chances are shit is about to hit the fan. Now, this relates to the third bit of circumstantial evidence, and that's that Taiwan is not part of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization or NATO. This means that Western countries are under no obligation to defend the country if China attacks. Obviously, this doesn't mean that Western countries couldn't help in other ways. Ukraine isn't part of NATO either, yet it's received about as much support as NATO can give without putting actual boots on the ground. The thing is that it's not clear just how far NATO would go to defend Taiwan, especially once many of its members have set up their own microchip manufacturing facilities. Note that the United States and others are technically neutral towards Taiwan's affairs. That said, US President Joe Biden has mentioned on many occasions that the US would respond with military force, but it looks like these statements have been walked back by the White House every time. That's probably because they know that war with China over Taiwan wouldn't be worth it.
Now, this pertains to the fourth bit of circumstantial evidence, and that is the ongoing war in Ukraine. There's no question that China has been watching the West's sanctions against Russia very closely. In fact, there's lots of evidence to suggest that China has been funding Russia's war in Ukraine. I mean, how else could Russia's economy survive these unprecedented sanctions? This begs the question of whether China provided these funding guarantees prior to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The answer must be yes, because there's no way Russia would have invaded without China's economic support. Call me crazy, but I think Putin is sane enough to have made that calculation. Now, this begs a second question, and that's what China would stand to gain by supporting Russia financially. Clearly, whatever China stands to gain must be significant, since its supporting Russia economically would result in serious scrutiny from Western countries. In fact, that's exactly what's been happening. As a wise man once said, if you want to know why something is happening, examine who benefits. In this case, there seem to be four big benefits for China, and all of them assist with the CCP's vision and endgame. The first benefit is unrestricted access to Ukraine. Believe it or not, but China actually has a strategic interest in Ukraine due to its Belt and Road Initiative. For those who don't know, the Belt and Road Initiative is China's global infrastructure project. When it's complete, it will run through most countries in Asia, Europe, and Africa. And this includes Ukraine. Now, the second benefit is the ability to see how the West will respond to the invasion of a significant yet non NATO ally. To be clear, Ukraine and Taiwan are two different countries in two different situations. Even so, the response is likely to be similar, at least similar enough to allow for a meaningful analysis. Now, the third gain for China is that many Western countries have sent most, and in some cases all, their significant military equipment to Ukraine. This leaves such countries less equipped to assist with other significant conflicts should they arise, be they in Taiwan or elsewhere. The fourth gain is perhaps the most important, and that's that the West's sanctions against Russia are also doing a lot of damage to them as well. The most acute effect is inflation, which is leading to widespread discontent within these countries. In the case of Europe, most of this inflation is coming from energy and fuel shortages caused in large part by the sanctions against Russia. If these energy and fuel shortages are not addressed soon, you can bet that Europeans will be overthrowing their governments for continuing to push their green agendas. The practical effect of this is that these countries will probably not respond if China invades Taiwan. The scarier thing to consider is that these countries may not even respond if Russia launches a counteroffensive against Ukraine in the dead of winter. Let's not go there. This brings me to the fifth bit of circumstantial evidence, and that's the United States. The US midterm elections will happen in about a month's time, and it's believed that they're going to be the most contentious set of elections to date. Case in point, Bill Gates recently said that, quote, We're going to have a hung election and a civil war. Straight up, that's what he said. One side will disagree with the outcome regardless, and people will take to the streets and start fighting each other. And Bill isn't just making this stuff up either. Polls show that most American voters believe there is a high chance of a civil war. This is true regardless of political affiliation. 
More than a third of American voters also believe that it's time for the country to be split up into blue states and red states. That is some extreme polarization, and all the inflation that Americans are experiencing is probably making things worse. When people don't have enough money to pay for rent or food, riots tend to be the outcome. I reckon the midterms could provide the perfect spark for these riots. As with Europe, a domestic crisis of confidence in the United States means it will be much less likely to intervene if China invades Taiwan. Some would say that war tends to be a great unifier, but I would say that in today's information age, people know which wars are worth fighting. It turns out most aren't. Now, if I'm wrong and the United States does somehow rally its citizens around going to war with China, then it could be presented with a second issue, and that's the Strategic Petroleum Reserve or SPR. If you watched our recent video about the SPR, you'll know it's at its lowest level since 1984. That's because the current administration has been dumping the SPR into the domestic economy to keep inflation and petrol prices in the United States low. The SPR has been draining fast, and OPEC's recent decision to cut oil production by two million barrels a day will only cause it to drain even faster. Given that the SPR is intended for emergencies such as a war, the United States might not have the energy resources it needs to defend Taiwan if China invades. You can have the most powerful military in the world, but if you have no fuel for all your jets and ships, then you don't really have a military at all. Now, to be honest, I actually don't know how important the SPR is for the U.S. military's operations. Based on my research, the U.S. military only uses around 250,000 barrels of oil per day. This means that the United States should theoretically have the capacity to supply its military even without the SPR. One thing is for sure, though, and that's that the SPR being at a multi-year low is literally a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's unlikely that the United States will be in such a vulnerable position energy-wise ever again. You can bet this is something the CCP is hyper aware of. Oh, and did you know that before and during the Ukrainian invasion, the Chinese have been filling up their strategic reserves with a lot of Russian oil? Hmm. Speaking of interesting energy issues, the sixth bit of circumstantial evidence relates to China's pandemic policy, its peculiar actions during the pandemic, its economic situation, and its demographics. A lot to break down here, so bear with me. As many of you will know, China has had a strict zero COVID policy since the start of the pandemic. Now there are many theories as to why this is. One is that the CCP wants to prove it can handle a pandemic better than the West. This theory is questionable, given China could very easily fudge the numbers. That's why the theory that the CCP wants to cause inflation in the West by locking down its supply chains has been the more popular one over the last year. From what I've seen and heard, it's been taken as a fact among macro analysts at this point. Still, maybe the CCP really just is that crazy. The thing about these theories is that they're not mutually exclusive, and I reckon there's some truth to both. It's also true that the CCP cannot continue its zero COVID policy indefinitely. At some point, it will have to stop, and the speculation that this will happen during or after the 20th CCP Congress. 
Once this happens, then all of China's manufacturing will come back online. This will create a surge in oil demand at a time when there are energy shortages around the world. Recall that OPEC just cut its output and Europe is already running dangerously low on oil and gas. Logically, this will only add to inflation. On the flip side, there are many who believe that China is intent on continuing its zero-pandemic policy indefinitely. Their evidence for this is that China continues to build isolation facilities and continues stockpiling record levels of food, which is also adding to inflation around the world. But what if these isolation facilities are not intended for those who test positive in the future? And what if the primary purpose of stockpiling all this food isn't to cause inflation? Without the pandemic, these actions look like a country that's preparing for a serious war. Prisons for dissenters, food for the army. Then there's the economic element. In case you missed the memo, China's economy is kind of in the toilet. Its housing market is falling apart, people are getting locked out of their bank accounts, institutions aren't investing, and those pandemic restrictions are doing serious economic damage as well. If you watched one of our older videos about how to prepare for a bear market, you might recall that one of the ways to get out of a crappy economic situation is to start a war. What's annoying is that only the CCP knows whether China's economic situation is bad enough to justify this kind of solution. What we do know is that China has at least 35 million more extra men than women. This is because of China's infamous one-child policy, which resulted in families choosing to have boys over girls. China's gender imbalance has since become a big problem, and it's going to become an even bigger problem. That's because young and middle-aged men tend to be the ones who start riots and revolutions. With the CCP constantly on a shaky footing, having such a large portion of the population that's willing and able to fight is not ideal. An easy way to get rid of all these men would be to send them all to war. On that note, the seventh bit of circumstantial evidence relates to what would happen between other countries if China invaded Taiwan. While China has a large number of extra men, it's actually in second place. The first-placed country in this contest is India, with over 55 million more extra men. As it so happens, India has some territorial disputes of its own. Although the most well-known of these involve Pakistan, India actually has a few territorial disputes with China as well. The idea that India would make a move in the southeast could be a part of why the CCP hasn't moved on Taiwan just yet. It's not just China or India either. There are dozens of countries with disputed territories. All these countries are facing their own sets of internal issues that their politicians know they could solve by going to war with their enemies next door. The only thing stopping them is the world police, aka the West. But, as I mentioned a few moments ago, Europe is more or less guaranteed to be in crisis, and it's more than likely that the United States will experience some internal strife in the next month or so. Does this mean we will see more territorial conflicts emerge? Possibly, but that would be guaranteed if China invades Taiwan. That's because all the other countries with disputed territories will know, or rather assume, that the United States will focus its military attention on Taiwan if China invades. 
As such, it will make it the perfect time for all these countries to go to war with their neighbours. Now, the reason I say assume is because there's a very real possibility the United States would focus its military attention on another ally if all hell breaks loose. Israel is the elephant in the room, and it looks like the US intelligence agencies are already at work to undermine Iran so that it doesn't attack Israel. That's because the US military knows damn well that it would not be a world war where it's East versus West. It'll be a series of long-held territorial disputes evolving into kinetic war. That's just because the information age has once again made this kind of two-sided global war impossible. Going to war against a hated neighbour, however, that's still possible in the information age, and that's what the next world war will look like. The question is, which hat will be the first to drop? Will it be China versus Taiwan? Or will there be another significant conflict that comes first to light the spark? To my mind, it's only a matter of time before one of these sparks comes around. China versus Taiwan will then be one of many conflicts, and there will be no way for anyone to stop them all. What happens after that is anyone's guess. For what it's worth, we probably won't see many if any nukes get used in local conflicts. In sum, then, it's arguably not a question of if China invades Taiwan, but when. Circumstances are about as favourable as they could be for the CCP. The next few weeks will present the perfect opportunity to take advantage of these circumstances as most of them will be reaching their apex. For Z, it will be the only opportunity. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Oil is a country's lifeblood. It's what powers the economy, and those with limited supplies of it are at a strategic and material disadvantage. This is why the United States has the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, or SPR. However, in recent weeks, the SPR has been at dangerously low levels, levels not seen since 1984. It's gotten so low that there are many wondering if it could threaten America's security. This is exactly what I'm going to cover in this video today, so don't go anywhere. Okay, before we go any further, we need a bit of an intro into the SPR. Back in the 1970s, there was an oil price crisis unlike any seen before. This was caused by the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, or OPEC, deciding to cut off supplies to all those countries that supported Israel during the Yom Kippur War. This played out in 1973 when the price of oil tripled in less than a year. It got so bad that in November, President Richard Nixon asked citizens to lower their thermostats, refrain from driving on Sundays, and go easy on their Christmas light displays. Not too dissimilar from some of the policies being suggested in Europe right now. Anywho, the result of this crisis was that the US embarked on a strategy of energy independence. And part of that initiative was the creation of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The SPR consists of federally controlled oil stocks that are stored in huge underground salt caverns at four sites along the coastline of the Gulf of Mexico. The total storage limit of the SPR is over 714 million barrels. And because of its location near big US refineries, the SPR can ship up to 4.4 million barrels per day. By some estimates, it can take only 13 days from a presidential say-so for the first oil to enter the US market. Now, in terms of the mechanics of how it all works, the Energy Department usually holds an online auction in which energy companies will bid on the oil. There are also separate swap agreements where oil companies will take the crude, but they are required to return it plus interest. The SPR was originally conceived to address supply shortages, but it has increasingly been used as a price suppression tool. Oil has been released from the SPR on three previous occasions. These were in 1991 during the first Gulf War, 2005 in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, and 2011 during the war in Libya. I should also note that the United States is not alone in its storage of strategic oil. Other members of the IEA or International Energy Agency, such as Britain, Germany, Japan and Australia, 
are required to hold 90 days' worth of net oil imports in reserve. China, the world's second-largest oil consumer, also created its SPR 15 years ago. Speaking of which, China has been filling up its reserves at an increasingly frenetic pace. It may interest you to know that back in February of this year, just before the invasion of Ukraine, the Chinese were doing exactly this at a time when the rest of the world was frantically releasing its stocks in order to stave off rising prices. Now, moves like this are generally coordinated between countries, but not this time. So, effectively, we had a situation in which China was buying while the rest of the world was selling, almost as if they knew something the rest of us didn't. Hmm. So, that brings us to late March, with the war in Ukraine by now in full swing. The price of oil was skyrocketing and even breached the $130 a barrel level. Not only that, but the sanctions being rolled out against Russia were leading to even further disruptions in the oil market as countries in Europe were severely restricted from buying Russian oil. More about that in the description. The impact of these higher oil prices was that consumers around the world started feeling the pinch at the pump and global leaders started needing to come up with solutions. The quickest and easiest option was, of course, to turn to their strategic oil reserves, and that is exactly what they did. The White House announced that it would release one million barrels a day for a period of over six months. According to the press release from the White House at the time, quote, The scale of this release is unprecedented. The world has never had a release of oil reserves at this one million per day rate for this length of time. This record release will provide a historic amount of supply to serve as a bridge until the end of the year when domestic production ramps up. This wasn't just bluster by the White House either. It was indeed an unprecedented release of reserves. The release had a notable impact on the price of oil. It fell by almost 5% on the day as the markets digested the exact impact the White House's decision would have going forward. The thing is that this was supposed to be a temporary release that would hold the country over for the next six months. As noted by Goldman Sachs, though, quote, This would remain, however, a release of oil inventories, not a persistent source of supply for coming years. Such a release would therefore not resolve the structural supply deficit years in the making. So, quite simply, there were structural issues in US supply that wouldn't be able to make up for the shortfall in the longer term. Why is that exactly? Well, it's the result of a combination of factors, which mostly come down to either market dynamics or politics. From the market dynamics perspective, during the COVID pandemic, oil demand was completely crushed, which sent prices through the floor. And I mean that quite literally. There was a point at which the price of oil actually went negative for a period of time. Many energy companies went under as a result of this, while many more decided to completely curtail any further investment in new energy supply. This meant that US oil production had fallen to below 10 million barrels a day, and there was no incentive to source new supply. So that was the impact on demand from the pandemic. But then, of course, you also had the political slant. There is no doubt that the new US administration wasn't in favour of policies that would boost fossil fuel production. 
With climate change in mind, sustainable energy initiatives were pursued at the expense of the oil and gas industry. For example, producers claim that limits on fracking by states and the closing of certain coastlines, such as Alaska and California, have also impeded their ability to drill new wells. Not only that, but the Biden administration froze new oil and gas leases earlier this year, this amid a legal battle over the cost of climate change. The crux of the issue was the, quote, social cost of carbon, a metric that uses economic models to put a value on each tonne of carbon dioxide emitted. Speaking of which, you can watch our video on individual carbon credits, which will be linked to in the description for you. Anywho, the goal of this measure was to quantify the economic harm caused by the climate crisis from the likes of sea level rise, more destructive hurricanes, extreme wildfire seasons, and flooding. The only issue was that a federal judge found this tool to be illegal and issued an injunction. As a result of that, the administration decided to freeze the issuance until there was clarity around the measure. This all took place in early February, just a few weeks before Russia invaded Ukraine. Talk about bad timing. Then, of course, there's the much larger, more pressing question of the infamous Keystone Pipeline. For those unfamiliar, the Keystone Pipeline was a $9 billion project that was expected to bring at least 900,000 barrels a day from Alberta to Nebraska, 90% of the amount released from the strategic reserves earlier this year, by the way. This has been a hot political issue for almost 12 years and was constantly delayed on environmental grounds. However, matters reached fever pitch last year when Biden officially cancelled a key permit. Many had expected this, given that he'd made it a key campaign promise. However, once it was done, there were many who pointed out how this could threaten energy security. That's because, according to the US State Department back in 2014, America's energy system had a need for more heavy crude from Canada to replace declining volumes from Mexico and Venezuela, the latter not a country you want to have to rely on for oil imports. And paradoxically, that oil coming from Canada has to be brought down to the refineries using either trucks or rail, which cause a fair bit of environmental harm themselves. I'll leave a link to this Forbes article in the description, which goes into it all in a lot more detail. Now, I don't want to get into the politics of all this. My point is that US domestic energy production and imports have not been able to keep up with demand, which means that the administration has had to tap that strategic reserve more often than absolutely needed. The latest release from the SPR came last week when OPEC announced that they would be cutting oil production by 2 million barrels per day from November. This was the largest supply cut since 2020 and is equivalent to about 2% of global supply. Now, the White House pushed hard to prevent the OPEC cut. For example, three months ago, Biden made his first official visit to Saudi Arabia and was seen fist-bumping the crown prince. Pretty awkward. But more recently, there has been intense lobbying by the US government behind the scenes to try and prevent the cut. Officials from across the administration were involved in reaching out to OPEC members. Even Janet Yellen herself made the case for not cutting oil production, explaining that it could be damaging to the global economy. Of course, one can't dismiss the ulterior motives here. The US is about to head into a midterm election, and high gas prices don't sit well with the voting public. 
The US administration is also trying to reduce Russia's revenue. So Biden and co weren't too happy with OPEC's move, and it could further strain relations between the White House and Saudi Arabia's royal family. Indeed, given that Biden visited the kingdom in July, it could have been seen as a personal slight. Now, whatever the politics behind the move, the cut happened and that sent oil prices up on the day. And at a local level in the US, gas prices were already starting to creep up in a number of states. For example, last week, the national average breached $3.80 a gallon, the second straight week of increases. This, of course, prompted the government to dip into those savings again. On Friday last week, Biden said that he would release another 10 million barrels from the SPR. Here you can see a graph of the SPR releases over the past 35 years. As you can see, 2022 has been a bumper year for releases and has seen almost 200 million barrels drained. And based on the current trajectory, it's possible that the SPR could be completely drained by November 2023. Crazy. That's also assuming that there aren't even larger releases later this year. Note that the Russian oil price cap has officially been signed off. Essentially, any country that buys Russian oil above the cap risks being sanctioned. Of course, Russia isn't going to take that well and has threatened to restrict supply to any country that engages with the cap. Less supply, higher prices, more strategic releases from a rapidly depleting reserve. The picture doesn't look good. Why is that? Well, the world is becoming seemingly more dangerous by the day. Russia has threatened to use nuclear weapons in Ukraine, while China is adopting an increasingly aggressive stance towards Taiwan. This latter point is particularly concerning because of China's own stockpiling of oil. And, fun fact, some Chinese companies have also bought oil from the US Strategic Reserve. This caused political uproar in the states and some Republican politicians introduced a bill to stop the administration from selling oil to foreign enemies. There's also the broader question of whether using the strategic reserve as a method of price control is a wise one. That's because the SPR's original intent was to address shortages that threatened energy security. However, by using the SPR to drive down prices, you're effectively meddling with the free market's allocation of resources. For example, shale oil drillers and other companies in the US are less incentivized to drill for new supply if the price is artificially controlled. The end result is a more precarious longer-term position, especially if the SPR runs out. Underinvestment brings the supply down still further, supply that would be sorely needed if, for instance, a war were to break out. So the lesson here is clear. Don't raid the rainy day fund because you never know when a thunderstorm may hit. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Okay, time for some of my personal thoughts on this. If there's one thing that the past few months has taught us, it's that energy security should be paramount. Europe is learning that the hard way, and other countries should sit up and take note. When it comes to the United States, an underinvestment in oil exploration and transportation means that it could be held hostage by OPEC. Indeed, the intense lobbying actions of the Biden administration prior to the cut are proof that they desperately needed to avoid these cuts, especially with the midterms around the corner. Now that OPEC has snubbed the US government, those SPR reserves are being tapped once again. However, it's only a finite supply and it's at risk of eventually running dry. The nation's energy security should not be compromised by using an emergency tool to lower gas prices, especially if the ends are potential votes in an election. Not only that, but the price suppression caused by tapping the SPR could lead to further underinvestment at a time when that is sorely needed. The world has become an increasingly dangerous place, and America's enemies have been working to secure their own oil supplies. They have no issue buying Russian oil and stockpiling it in their own reserves. In a time of war, any oil will be a scarce commodity, and whether that came from a sanctioned country or not won't be of concern. So then, what do we do? Well, it's a tricky one. OPEC still wields an outsized control on the global oil markets, and investment into sourcing new supply takes time. However, there is no time like the present. Perhaps they should once again consider the potential merits of the Keystone Pipeline. Is shelving that project really in America's best interests at a time like this? 
I also think that politicians should allow the dynamics of supply and demand to address supply shortages. Price increases are unpalatable, yes, but they are a necessary evil to source new supply. In the longer term, we could have a situation whereby more sustainable prices are possible without having to rely on the goodwill of OPEC. Those are just my opinions, though. You may think otherwise. Thank you so much for listening to the Coin Bureau podcast. If you'd like to learn more about cryptocurrency, you can visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Coin Bureau. You can also go to coinbureau.com for loads more information about all things crypto. You can follow me on Twitter at at Coin Bureau, all one word. And I'm also active on TikTok and Instagram too. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.